Let us engage with the readings. So we engage with the readings for this morning. Uh, and the theme that we are taking this morning is telling the old story of the gospel afresh and anew. Under the title, Jesus Calls, Will You Come and Follow Me? And there's a furious debate going on about what is truth and what is true. There is no way we ourselves can escape being, escape being part of it. The outcome of this debate is still unknown. The world is polarized. It feels as if we are on a journey into the unknown. The outcome is still all open. Will truth prevail? Even truth needs to be interpreted so that it becomes a true truth. An example of this being the pandemic, where had we been told the truth, perhaps the second wave would not have been as high as it is. To be a follower of Christ is to enter that debate head on, a war of interpretation and narratives, a battle of stories. To be a follower of Jesus is to tell the gospel story anew. Will you come and follow me, Jesus asks. The war of interpretation of narrative implies, implies questions such as, what does the gospel mean in our present context? What does it mean for me? for those close to me? What does it mean for the church now and post-pandemic? What does it mean for our local church and our local communities facing all this challenge? And for the Methodist Church, Methodist Connection, as it votes in the summer on the report, God loves, God in love unites us. What does it mean today? What does it bring for us? So as you can see, I'm rather exercised by the situation in which we find ourselves at this period in the world and in the church. And consequently, in my own life and of those who are, who are close to me. It is all an open game. The readings for today about the calling of Jesus for us to follow him are posing the same questions. In the same question, what does it all mean? And I would like to take it, it in turn. The gospel, the call to be today's Nathaniel's, answering who is Jesus for today? 
the call to be today's Samuels, to bear witness to the God of justice, the God against injustice, and called to be today's St. Paul's, discerning what is immoral, what is immoral is the lack of love. So let me reflect in being today's Nathaniel's on whom is Jesus. Nathaniel asks, but can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Nathaniel soon came to the conclusion that, that yes, out of a desperate place like Nazareth, a great teacher had come, Rabbi. Now, wisdom has the knack to always come from surprising places. And Nathaniel then places his claim from that backwater came someone who was even more than a teacher. Nathaniel says, the divine savior, in the Hellenistic way of, of putting it, the son of God, coming not from the pantheon, but from within the ordinary people. And then Nathaniel brings also the Semitic tribal way of saying it. He's the king of Israel. In other words, the Messiah. Ironically, not with an army, but on the back of a donkey. How did Sam Nathaniel got there? How did he get there? I think because Jesus showed him love, grace, and deep acceptance. Jesus did that by saying, here is a true Israelite. Nothing about him is false. Well, the text is too short here to explain it fully, but one can imagine the impact that Jesus would have had in Nathaniel's life. What we might call the redemption, the salvation offered in Jesus, the change that love and grace bring, the healing that deep acceptance operates. Uh, perhaps we can relate this to this a similar experience of that of the blind man who was born blind of whom we know more late in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 9. Uh, that man's explanation about Jesus was simple. I don't know if he's Christ or if he's a sinner. I know one thing, I was blind, but now I see. Similarly, Nathaniel was able to interpret his personal experience with Jesus in a way that led him to claim 
the throne of Israel for the one from the backwater. In the cosmic title, son of God, for the one despised, the despised teacher. What do we have to show and tell the world for our experience with Jesus? Jesus, the first and the last, in thee my soul is cast. What do we say about Jesus for our world today? Let us be like Nathaniel. Let us allow this story of, of love and deep acceptance to inspire us to do the same, to look at Jesus and his gospel and say and claim what it means for us and for our world, for our world, for our world today. And this, of course, will involve will involve interpretation and narrative. And there we are in the sphere of the spirit, the power of imagination, the force of the creative word, the daring of an act, practical act of love. And these things are very disputed. They belong to a very disputed territory, interpretation and narrative. Without our individual contribution, the old story of the gospel will not be told afresh and anew. You and I are the Nathaniels of today. To be a follower of Christ is to dare to say what Christ and his gospel mean today. Being today's Samuels and pointing towards a God who stands against injustice. So Samuel, little kneeling golden locks, angel-like looking Samuel had a job. Inspired by the spirit to tell you the word of God. And it was not pleasant because the word was against the priestly family of Eli. It brought judgment and death in its path. Eli, the old priest, told Samuel, ah, little boy, listen carefully and tell me what you hear. Don't hide anything from me. Though the word was against Eli's own family, Eli opened a space for Samuel's hearing to be taken on board. Not a small moment, moment in the life of the one who would become a great prophet and, <clears throat> and judge in Israel, 
<clears throat> this is a lesson for all, for all of us to learn that there must be scope, room for difference in hearing, hearing, interpreting, presenting the word of God anew. There must be scope, room for difference. That word was a reaction against the greed of Eli's sons who robbed the people through misappropriation of the sacred offerings in the temple. We can find that in the previous chapter. Justice, equity, and fairness suffered because of that. God would avenge said Samuel. What do you hear? What do you tell? I can tell you this is a very disputed territory. Let me tell you a few stories about interpretations and narratives. This first story happens long ago in the 1950s the congregation at the Methodist Theological College in Sao Paulo thought there was potential and suggested my, my dad, suggest my dad to stay longer, another two years beyond his bachelor in theology for him to do his masters, to become an academic eventually. And my dad stayed and wrote a thesis arguing that there were signs in the Old Testament that the identity of Israel was not dependent on the promised land. Not least because the law was received in the desert. The organization of the people into groups of leaders was done in the desert. And this, of course, was done under the influence of a, a priest of a different people and religion, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, you remember? So there was clearly, in the desert, already a people, a law, an organization, a culture, a religion, a relationship with God before the possession, possession, of the land before the entry into Canaan. Well, as you can imagine, this was a controversial, controversial subject, in, in particular coming soon after the, the Holocaust and the passing of the 1947 UN resolution, resolution 181, calling for the partition of Palestine into Arab and Jewish states in Jerusalem as a corpus, corpus separatum. And soon after the 1948 war, creation of the state of Israel, the catastrophe for the Palestinians, as it's put, that led by Ben-Gurion. My dad's subtle points about fairness to all were too much for Professor Bolden, his supervisor, 
a missionary from the deep south of the US, Reverend Bowden, could not give space for such thinking. My dad burnt his precious, precious thesis in the fire in the kitchen of the theological college. His dreams vanished as a consequence, but not his calling. He had to take another tor tortuous route into the ministry. It took 10 years before his ordination. Another story, I hope shorter now. <laughs> a rabbi friend of mine came to our door on Christmas day, bringing mince pies and Christmas cake. That rabbi agrees with my father's thesis. He looks at the tragic and glorious stories of his people and says that it is more to do with a journey into the unknown rather than a fixed promised promise of a piece of land. The rabbi sees the flight from Egypt and the journey through the desert as a calling to a journey, journey into the unknown of God. He himself lived in Israel, Palestine, when he worked as a photojournalist, but felt that he had to move out as he could hardly cope or he could not cope anymore with the suffering of the Palestinian, Palestinian people that his work as a photographer brought into focus for him. Oh, this is, of course, very controversial. I have another friend of mine, very close to me, with whom I worked closely in leading the community in Hausen, Hausen and Brent. Oh, she made a point of giving me a book that expressed the opposite views of, of my dear friend Rabbi. The book is entitled My Promised Land. with all gentleness and compassion, peace and understanding. We ought to be Samuels, those who hear the old word of God and proclaim it anew and afresh today in word and deeds. And we all, we all have to try and be like Eli, the old priest, was able to make room for fresh hearing of that word so that, so that justice, equity, and fairness may have a chance. And being today's Saint Paul, Saint Paul's, as Lord Supper put it, it is a fellowship of controversy. But of course, that has to be within a spirit of grace and peace. What do you hear? What do you, how do you report it? Where do you stand? How do you say what the church is all about in this context? And even perhaps more importantly, how do you see 
yourself in it? Do you find yourself under fig tree like Nathaniel or like Samuel in the night, hearing voices in your head or like St. Paul? Do you find yourself concerned about what matters in moral standards? So St. Paul was concerned about sexual immorality, but he balanced, he managed to balance his concerns with saying, everything belongs to God, belongs to God, the body, the food, which is controversial, the body and the food, but both will be destroyed. And he's certainly not shy to say he's against prostitution. And I think because because prostitution cannot deliver love, real love. Love cannot be bought. I hear Paul saying what's immoral is lack of love, lack of God. Shall the Methodist Church allow weddings between people of the same sex to occur in Methodist churches across the connection? The report God in Love unites us is much more than just that question. It is about the church trying to identify where there is love and where it identifies it. It is trying to say because there is love here, therefore there is God. Is there love in a young relationship of cohabitation? If so, there is love. And there is God. Is there love in an old relationship where sex does not play a role anymore? If so, there is God. Is there love in a relationship of a divorced person? If so, God is there. Is there love in a relationship of people of same sex? If so, God is there too. The church is trying to discern whether it should bless it. Though some people may want to argue that the report would imply a change in our doctrines, I'll say that it is not a change of doctrine, it's a change in our interpretation of it. It's in fact a response to the issues of our time and to the eternal question our doctrines, where is God? And the response is, God is where love is. And that is our doctrine, no change. If the report is adopted, there will be a change in the wording of the service of a marriage between a man and a woman to between two people, even though what would have been changed is the interpretation of our doctrine only. Will you come and follow me? The spirit calls. Ah. I don't know how people find being a Christian boring or uninteresting. I find it the opposite. I find Christianity to be an open game. It is an old story still being interpreted 
and reinterpreted for today. Uh, it is a very disputed, disputed territory, which makes it tremendously exciting. To follow Jesus is to be alive to God and to our time. Let us be Nathaniel's, Samuel's, Paul's for today as we follow Jesus. Let us do that with deep acceptance of the other, with room for difference, and with great love. Amen.